Did you think you'd be farther along in life than where you are today? Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, how's that for a hot potato question to get us started? Did you think you'd be farther along in life than where you are today? Well, we're going to do a deep dive into just two major areas today. I want to revisit the stages of life that I talked about last week. My gosh, had a whole lot of you respond to that and certainly made me think deeper. Sometimes I lay those things out kind of in quick fashion without really thinking through. And you guys really called me to task, but also gave me information that I think I'm going to be able to refine that. So we're going to revisit that. And then I want to tell you about the Dreamer documentary. This is an absolute must, absolute must. I'll stick with me. I'll tell you about it, how we're going to unpack it together here as a community. Now, here's some of the questions we're going to be looking at today. As we have time, what if I have multiple business ideas? About this, how should I proceed with my invention related to guitars? What's the biggest advantage? I love this question. What's the biggest advantage in today's marketplace to help us make money? I know exactly what it is. I'll tell you what the biggest advantage is and how we can make money today. Somebody says, Dan, I'm trying to figure out what I can offer that people would pay for. I already work two jobs. How do I work on on other aspects of my business when my time is so limited? All right, now here's our quotation for today. Really relates to some things we're going to look at. comes from Robin Sharma, who says, potential unexpressed turns to pain. That's just five words, but it's worth kind of sitting on. Potential unexpressed turns to pain. Look around us today. How many people are angry, screaming, raging? What do you think a lot of the reason for that is? It's unrealized potential. They know they have more to offer than what they've done so far. Potential unexpressed turns to pain. Now, this documentary, and I'll tell you a little bit more about it, but I'll give you the, this as a resource. This is going to be our resource for today, and it's to get this Dreamer documentary. Now, this is going to be re-released for just a short period of time, just a couple of days, on August 10th. So now's the time, whenever you listen to this, Go to dreamerdocumentary.com. Just put in your information there. You're going to get access when it becomes available on August the 10th, 8 o'clock that night. I want you to watch it. It will rock your world. We've watched it as a family. We're talking about it. The stories in there are inspirational. If you have children, I mean, if you have children who are 10 years old, certainly 10 and older, even younger than that, it would be fine. Watch it with them. Dreamerdocumentary.com. I'm going to go through, give you a framework for that. And then we're going to come back and revisit that theme after that documentary airs. But it's that important. I want you to do that. All right, let me give you a couple of good news things here. And then we're going to jump into responses and questions. 
Here's some strangers that raised $84,000 for a 94-year-old street vendor in a wheelchair after one woman's act of kindness goes viral. There's so many stories like this. I heard a story, well, just this week about a lady who, she was really broke. She was down to nothing, single mom, and she found a dollar bill laying in a parking lot. And she went in, went back in the store. She'd just come out of a little convenience store and bought a lottery ticket and won $100. Well, she and her daughter were celebrating and her daughter mentioned that there was an officer, a police officer who had been wounded and there was kind of a community effort to help out. And she said they ought to give the money to him. Well, they did. They did. They gave it to him, gave it just anonymously, but somebody saw what happened, somehow put the pieces together, saw this lady who had absolutely nothing, gave that $100 that she got unexpectedly to somebody who really needed it. Well, the community rallied around, and they've raised like $145,000. But I love those stories about people just doing good, even here when things are uncertain, there's unexpected things happening around us, there's uncertainty, but you know what? There's a lot of good in people. And sometimes the challenges, when we're in challenges together, brings out the good in us. Now, I recognize it can also bring out the bad in us. And we tend to conform to the people that we're around, which is a really important principle. If you want to be angry and upset and ticked off about what's happening, you can find people who are already there and they'll fuel your feelings about that. But if you want to be optimistic and positive and see new opportunities and move forward in a positive way in your own life right now, spend time with people who are on the same path. Well, anyway, here strangers raised $84,000. A young woman was walking in Santa Ana, California. She came across an elderly guy selling tamales. Seeing how tired he looked in his wheelchair, she decided to give him a few bucks. But she also stuck around just with a compassionate ear to hear his story. Those gifts alone were enough to cause the 94-year-old to break down in tears. So, the gal's name was Kenya. She first saw Jose Villa Ocha. She thought of her own parents. I felt sorry for him. She said, my parents are both older. I would hate to see my dad out selling tamales for somebody and barely making ends meet. Known as Don Joel, the old guy explained that although he wanted a job, nobody would hire him because of his age. In order to keep himself afloat financially, he started selling tamales cooked by a local woman. At the end of every hardworking day, she would give him a cut of the earnings. This allowed him to buy food, but it wasn't enough for him to afford medications or a phone. Well, the 28-year-old was happy to listen to his story, but she wanted to do more. She put out an appeal on her Instagram with her followers. Within a week, friends and strangers overwhelmed her with more than $84,000 in donations. So she gave it, gave it all to the old guy, got him a new wheelchair, shiny new pair of shoes. He says even though he's 94, he feels like he's 40 years old because of the kindness that's made him feel so alive. Well, plenty of stories like that out there. Love those. Here's another one, just an interesting response to the crisis that we're in after COVID cancels all flights. One man sailed solo across the Atlantic to reach his 90-year-old father. So, you know, international flights, pretty well nixed in some countries. And this guy, Juan Manuel Balestro, wanted to see his dad. Now, the problem was he was in Portugal. All the international flights had been canceled 
and his elderly parents were in Argentina and he wanted to be there for his dad's 90th birthday. But there was 5,600 miles in the Atlantic Ocean between them. Now, this guy happened to be a 47-year-old sailor and he came up with the daring solution. He'd just sail home. There's a whole lot of things that went into this. It's a pretty cool story, but um, he was afraid that they would not even allow him to leave the port or to come into ports. And that happened to be true. As soon as he left, they closed the port and weren't allowing anybody else to leave. And one of the ports where he wanted to restock would not let him in. So it was a scramble. He had a 29 foot sailboat and he stocked up with rice, fruit, canned tuna, just enough to, he thought would get him by. He was hoping to make it in 75 days. Well, it took him a little longer than that. There's a whole lot of challenges, but he did, get there. He actually sailed the 5,600 miles. And he says, where there's a will, there's a way. Well, just a cool story. All right. Now I'm going to tell you about this documentary. This is dreamers. The, the, The byline on this documentary is they were told to get their heads out of the clouds, but they didn't listen. The stories in here are phenomenal. There's a young gal who was born with no arms She just got licensed as a pilot to fly an airplane. Now think about that. No arms. Now there's stories like this over and over and over. Peter Diamandis, who wanted to get civilians more involved in space exploration, he announced the the X Prize with a $10 million prize to anybody that could go up into space, there were certain criteria, come back down and do that again within two weeks. Well, there were a whole bunch of organizations that got on board, spent the money to try to be the first ones to do that. When he announced that prize, he didn't have the money. But you know what? It was such an audacious idea. It was so bold, so big, so daring, such a big dream. People got excited about it, and somebody stepped up to the plate and provided the $10 million. He didn't have. He didn't put anything into it. But he shared the dream. And then somebody said, I want to be a part of that. A lady who had just sold her business for over a billion dollars. And she always had a dream of going into space herself, which ultimately happened. But those are the stories you're going to find. So, so go to dreamerdocumentary.com. Here's the framework. Now I want to just put this in your head because we're going to come back to this in two weeks, in two weeks. And we're going to come back and revisit this So we can talk about it again. So we'll come back for the Friday, August 14th podcast. But in the meantime, I want to give you kind of the framework for what you're going to hear in this dreamer documentary, five steps to achieving your dream, five steps, phase one, step one, prove them wrong. Step two, find your superpower. Step three, be limitless. Step four, invent a better future. Step five, never, ever give up. And those are also correlating. This is what I'm working on. I'm really intrigued with this whole idea that I want to work on. Phase one, that prove them wrong. That is your calling. Step two, find your superpower. That's your gift. Step three, be limitless. That's your truth. Step four, invent a better future. That's your vision. Step five, never give up your mission. So you get your calling, your gift, your truth, your vision, your mission. And what you're going to see in this documentary is 
mind-blowing people who have done exactly that. So then we're going to come back to the question. What is your dream? What is your massively transformative purpose? What is it that you would like to accomplish? All right. So dreamerdocumentary.com. Go there two weeks from right now. We're going to come back on August 14th on that podcast and revisit it. In the meantime, I'll be prompting you with some questions. But the main one is, what is your big dream? Okay, what is your big dream? Well, hey, just take a breath in between stages here. I want to go into the stages of life. But a reminder that we're going to be looking at real life questions. Your responses, your responses to the podcast are so inspiring for me. And I hope for each other. I mean, as you see responses that come in, you can see each other's responses. Certainly, if you're in Eagles community, you see those. But those should be inspiring. Those should motivate you when you see other people on the same path. I mean, there's few things that will inspire you more than having other people around you who are cheering you on, who are on the same path as you are. But that's what we'll be looking at. Well, anyway, just a reminder, these are real-life questions and responses. If you got a success story question you'd like to have us unpack here be delighted to do that just shoot those into ask dan at 48days.com again the email is ask dan at 48days.com incidentally i ought to comment on the fact that a lot of you ask about last week's podcast because the audio was obviously a little different well it so happened and you know, joanne and i were in florida and i decided to stay an extra week and so i was not in front of my fancy microphone and roadcaster pro that jody smith gifted me with who does my work my podcast work so i I wasn't in front of my fancy equipment i just had my laptop and my earbuds so i just did it from there and people noticed the difference in audio quality i apologize about that i hope the content was adequate anyway but certainly it was a different audio quality in this interim going back and forth florida and tennessee there'll probably be some other times when i may have alternate ways to produce the podcast until I get totally set up. Now, last week I talked about the stages of life. I had somebody ask about that. They said, you know, you've referenced in the past, and I know I had just stages of life that we would go through. So I pulled from some notes together based on ideas from others, but also I just quickly added my own. I mean, I added a couple categories that I've never seen before, and I just kind of put it out there. Well, like always, you guys call me to task in, 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 in a good way, but you help me make those things better. I mean, when I look at some of the things that I've put together like that, I mean, the 15 hours to start a side business productively and how to do that in 90 days where you're up and running. I mean, that was based on a real life situation where somebody said, you know, I only have a small amount of time. I only have 15 hours. And what happens is people often use their spare time that they think they're developing a business and all they do is just add learning. They just keep reading, listening to podcasts, going to conferences, you know, the, well, those things are good, but if you do nothing but that, you don't really have a business. You just have an interesting hobby perhaps, but the development of that 15 hour program, which now has been so transformative for so many people came out of just a real life situation where I put it together quickly. And now I go back and refine it. The idea of finding your zone of genius how to move into that. Wow, I went through that myself and I've been modifying that and walking other people through the process of identifying 
those areas where you're incompetent, areas where you are competent, areas where you're excellent, and areas where you and you alone move into your unique ability, your zone of genius. Well, these life stages were like that. So I put this together quickly, and I'll keep working on this. Trust me, I'll come back to this, but I want to read some of the responses that I got from you all about this. So we talked about the stages of life being in your 20s, you're learning. This is a decade where you try lots of new things to see which ones motivate you. In your 30s, you're experimenting. Sort out your interest, eliminate the ones that don't fit you. 40s, mastering. The decade where you focus on those things you've kept after you've experimented and you're developing now your skills and becoming an expert at something. 50s are reaping, the period where you reap the rewards of the decisions you've made in the previous decades and create systems to reach your highest earning potential. 60s, guiding. This is where you mentor others with the wisdom you gained in prior years and leverage your major life message. 70s, leaving a legacy. This is a decade where you put things in place to live on when you are no longer here. And then I also, I've had in their 80s, we see people who don't just stop, they continue to be productive. 80s, maximizing your zone of genius. A decade where you spend 75% of your time doing the one thing you do best. Now, I put that together quickly. But oh my goodness, did you guys jump on it? And it'll help me go back and refine it. And frankly, I, I probably need to add some more at either end of that. I mean, you, you certainly start learning before you're in your 20s. My goodness, I see kids in their teens who are just absolutely blowing it up with the things they're inventing, the business they're starting. So I need, I need to back that down. What do you do in your teenage years? So we'll, we'll be looking at that as well. And frankly, I'll probably add something at the top end. What do you do after you're out of your 80s? Does that mean you're no good anymore? Well, I just gave you an example of a 94-year-old who's out there doing something at least be productive. So what do you do when you're in your nineties? I'll be looking at that. Well, <laughs> and I, I appreciate your input on helping me refine this. So here's some of the feedback that I got. Steven says, I appreciate your weekly inspirations. Unfortunately for me, I am now 55 and didn't learn much about saving or learning. And I'm now stuck with facing the fact that I'm behind on my promises to my children, and my family. Please help. Wow. I'm going to go through this. Uh, we don't have time to do a whole lot of commentary, but I want to just kind of expand on a couple. Elizabeth says, I'm replying back regarding your stages of life. It's good, but it's a bit one size fits all. Life has a way of taking us down roads we never planned or imagined. At least that's how it's been for me. The Lord has led me where I didn't want to go, but I went out of obedience. It isn't always the best career move, but I trusted him more than the latter. If life were only as neat and tidy as you list here, I think the key is to be in close relationship with the Lord, follow where he leads, and know that it is always for your best, even when our decades do not look anything like what you list here. Knowing that the Lord sees the big picture, that his perspective is eternal, helps a lot for those of us whose lives have not followed such a traditional trajectory as you lay out here. Now, I'm, I'm going to go through, uh, I'm going to go through a couple more here, and then I'm going to just make some over overall comments. And, and trust me, what, what I want to assure you, my life did not follow some neat, clean plan like I laid out here. My goodness, not at all. Well, Larry says, I just turned 67 
which puts me in the guiding stage, looking forward to the legacy stage. The use of the word mentor to me conjures up images of an older person taking a younger one under their wing, guiding them further along a path of the same career, which the mentor probably recently retired from, and doing so often without compensation. While this can definitely be true, I think it paints a very narrow view where the career of the one in the guiding stage is concerned. This could be the time to create that online course, to read that book, or yes, begin coaching or any other way you can think of to have influence and monetize it. But I don't think you have to just stick with your former career. And Larry goes on and gives examples about people redirecting at that point and still being fresh and being able to lead and to teach and to mentor, even in areas that they're exploring at that stage in life. All right. I, I love the fact that so many of you resisted the idea of being narrowly categorized in that decade, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, that you, you recognize you're experiencing life that is outside what I laid out as being the primary focus for that decade. I love that. I love the fact that you're thinking, that you resist being categorized. I mean, I love the fact that you're the kind of, you know, probably kids in school where you didn't want to sit in your seat all day and color inside the lines. Those are the kind of people that we welcome here. And I, I, I'm thrilled to see you know, the responses that you came up with here. Eric says, I just wanted to pipe in with my two cents worth on the stages of life career. Um, this Thursday, July 30th, he says, I'm turning 40. So I'm moving out of experimenting into mastery. I know these time, my 30s have seen me quit my job, become self-employed in a niche field of engineering. My wife, Carrie, also self-employed, and I paid off our mortgage on July 1st. Golly, congratulations. And we're excited about the next stage of life. We're both doing so much better at living a healthier, balanced life. We've been following the THM eating plan for about five years now, and last fall, I joined a CrossFit gym. I'm in the best physical shape of my life. I'm only getting stronger at a time of my life when many people are starting to wind down and be comfortable with their daddy bod. I purchased a woodworking course to stimulate my mind and pursue an interest that has, lay, has laid aside for quite some time, and I'm loving it. I'm always encouraged when I hear you share about the stages of life because it reaffirms that we don't have to get everything right in the early stages of life, just just not in business. I love that you're still rocking it at your age and I don't plan to do anything foolish like retire either. There's so much to live for. All right, two more. Karen says, I love your take regarding the stages of life as it relates to career. I have friends that have followed that approach closely. Those approaching retirement with a successful outlook realized and accepted their calling by the mid stage. I wish somebody had explained this to me when I was in my thirties. Tim says, I'm guessing no one reads reads mail to this address, but I'll send it anyway. Well, there's not much that we don't read that comes into any form or fashion at 48 days. We do read it, but he says, I'll send it anyway. Sadly, because of a lifetime of dumb decisions, I'm now 57, single, no kids, no assets, struggling to get work. I guess that puts me into stage one. I guess I'll never get to retire. I don't have the slightest idea what to do. I absolutely loathe the place I'm currently living. There's two work options, retail or medical, and I'm no longer able to lift. So retail is somewhat limited, as is the pay available. So buying a home and saving for retirement appear to be mutually exclusive. Okay, I'm I'm going to stop there. I don't know if to just go on. Thank you so much for your responses to this. And thank you again for your for your pushback, your challenges, and your recognizing there's a lot of fluidity between the lines of these stages of life that we go through. Now I listed in here 
learning in your 20s, experimenting in your 30s, mastering in your 40s, and then reaping in your 50s, where you reap the rewards of decisions you made in the previous decades. Now, when I go through here and look at these, you know, the last one here, Tim, 57, no kid, no kids, no assets, struggling to get work. Well, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, I mean, you, you, you've heard bits and pieces of my story. I, I continue to learn, for one thing. My goodness, the learning is never going to stop. But I continue to learn. But I also didn't have things put together in this nice, clean stack that we're talking about, where I simply went through the learning, experimenting, mastering, and reaping in my 50s. I made some serious boo-boos, some really dumb mistakes, as some of you are alluding to here, when I was in my 30s and 40s. And it was in my 40s where I really crashed and burned financially. Now, I always add financially there because I didn't crash and burn physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually. I mean, those are things where I had a lot of I had a lot of wealth in those areas, fortunately, that carried me through. But I certainly crashed in the most obvious thing that people see, that being financially. So I was at the bottom of the barrel. It took me 12 years to unravel the mess I had created financially. We couldn't own a house. We couldn't own anything. The IRS would have taken it because I had pages and pages of IRS liens and other things that were crashing down around us. It took me 12 years to wipe that clean to get back to zero, to get back to zero net worth. I mean, I remember the day when Joanne and I realized we were back to zero. We had absolutely no financial worth, net worth at all. And we were thrilled because that meant we had climbed a big mountain to get out of a big hole to get back up to that zero. You know how old I was? 53. And everything that you guys know about Dan Miller has happened since I was 53. That's when I started teaching that Sunday school class, started figuring things out, started seeing the need that people had to get clear direction, how to find their purpose, how to live their best life. And I've walked into that space, you know, with books, speaking, coaching, community, the kind of things that you see. Those happened since I was 53 years old. I hope that's encouraging. I might certainly don't want you to put the brakes on if you're, if you're getting some traction and you're in your 20s. You know, fantastic. Don't mess it up like I did. But I also want to assure those of you who are a little older than that now who think that you're off track, that it's not too late. It's not too late. I mean, these are fluid lines. Keep learning now, even if you're not in your 20s anymore. Keep experimenting. Keep mastering. Keep reaping. I mean, you can, you can gain ground. You can go through the, some of those stages really quickly and get into something because of your past mistakes, perhaps, where you can learn quickly and get up to speed. You don't have to wait for those decades to pass. You can in two years, you know, turn your life around, boom, and be back on top doing something that you really want to, that, that you thoroughly enjoy and that brings value to the world. Well, let me remind you of in Wisdom Eats Passion that I wrote with my son, Jared, we looked at Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Now, the way Maslow lays those out at the very bottom are our physical needs, food, water, warmth, rest, those kind of things. Then right above that, safety. You have to be secure. Now, what he presented is that you build these as a ladder. You have to have the ones in the bottom 
before you go, go up any that are up farther up on the ladder. So the third one up then is belonging. You're feeling like you're connected to somebody else. Above that is a self-esteem. We start to feel okay about yourself. And then we've got self-actualization, really achieving your full potential. So it goes, so he says that unless you are secure in what you need physically, you can't move up. Well, guess what? We see people leapfrog all over that thing. As a matter of fact, with a lot of what we see in the millennials in the younger generation today is they almost put this thing on its tip it totally over. They flip it over. And we unpack that in Wisdom Meets Passion. But they unpack it where they go right to self-actualization, transcendence. I mean, even my son, Jared, who co-wrote the book with me, I mean, he wanted to change the world. He didn't care about having a place to live. You know, a picket fence and a Mercedes in a driveway he still doesn't. He wants to change the world. He went to transcendence when he didn't have two nickels to rub together, but he wanted to help people who were the most marginalized in the world. So these models are just that. They're models. I love the fact that you can create your own individual life. That's really what I want to kind of just wrap this part up with. You can create your own individual life. You can move around these stages as your own individual life develops. So I'll, I'll go back. Thank you so much for your feedback. I'll go back and refine that model. We'll continue to look at that, the stages of life. I think it can be inspiring, but it certainly doesn't mean that you can't catch up if, in fact, you're now in your 50s and you feel like you haven't done the things just moving up the ladder sequentially. It doesn't need to be that way. Well, hey, last week I did a webinar we titled it Three Building Blocks to Get Your Business Off the Ground. We had so many questions that came in. I want to revisit some of the ones that were overflow from that. Incidentally, you can still go back and watch that if you want. Just go to 48days.com slash webinar, and you can still get that. The masterclass that we did just last week, Three Building Blocks to Get Your Business Off the Ground, where I walk through how to take an idea and how to really bring it to life in business. But here's some questions from people. I'll go through these here pretty quickly. Kathy says, what if you have multiple business ideas? That's a wonderful, wonderful starting point. I mean, people who are creative, who are not used to just being in the box, who are not used to doing traditional things, often have lots of ideas. And that's an awesome starting point. Now, if you stay there, I see a lot of people with a lot of ideas and who, you know, can't buy groceries. You you implement, you know, just having ideas doesn't mean anything. It's the person who takes action, who implements, who's going to change the world and thrive financially. So take all your business ideas. I mean, expand. If you have 10 of them, that's fine. I want you to get 20, but then very quickly filter those through what you know about yourself. What is unique about you? How do you respond to other people? How do you sell, motivate, persuade? Those things, what you know about yourself should allow you to filter those ideas down to three or four that really do fit. Then do a little bit more research and then create a plan and act. And you can do that in a very short period of time. You can do that in two weeks. And on the outside, I would say 48 days. Don't go beyond that. Make sure that you're committed to choosing the right idea for you right now. Now, again, in choosing one and having three others that are equally good ideas doesn't mean you can't come back and revisit those at some point. And again, we're not looking for one thing, only one thing that's the right thing for you to do. Nah, 
you know, knowing what you know about yourself, there ought to be 20 things that would be good fits for you. I mean, if I were not an author, I could easily be something else. I mean, that would, I mean, it wouldn't even stress me to have to come up with something else. Now that works well and I enjoy doing that. But if I really needed to change, I mean, there's other things that I could do and certainly true for you as well. Troy says, what if my audience thinks their boss should pay for my services rather than them? Well, when, when you're working with people and it involves self-improvement, it's pretty short-sighted for somebody to say, my boss ought to pay for that. Because when you do things that improve you, the individual, you take those with you. Those are not things you leave at a company if you leave. So you ought to be investing in your own personal growth, even if the company's not paying for it. Now we could park there and spend a lot of time, but I'm going to move on. Gail says, I'm trying to figure out what I can offer that people would pay for. Now this is a slippery slope, Gail. There's a lot of things that people will pay for. I mean, people will pay for drugs and for booze. I'm not going to provide those because it doesn't fit anything I know about Dan Miller. So don't just go to what people will pay for. Start with what you love. I mean, people will pay for growing dandelions in their yard if that's what you really enjoy. Even though that seems counterintuitive, everybody's trying to get rid of Dan. No, there are some people who are going to enjoy the smell, the look of dandelions. They know how to use them in food preparation that they're doing. So start with what you enjoy and then figure out how to present it in a way that people pay you for it rather than the other way around. Nancy says, I've been on 10 podcasts, featured more than 10 articles, given thousands of copies of my book, hosted five free webinars. I've gained zero dollars and zero clients. Is it time to accept that there's no market for my service? I get a small number of referrals, but it's not enough to pay my basic expenses. Well, it's realistic to say, you know, am I offering something that nobody wants? But I doubt that that is the case. Matter of fact, in your case, I know it's not. I know I know what you are offering. It's not the case. I think it has, when we have something of value, we still have to have a clear method of exposing people to that, of conveying the benefits of that to those people. I mean, the old days of build a better mousetrap and people beat a path to your door, nah, th- th- those days are over. That doesn't happen. You have to be intentional but there are three parts to this very quick here that we could do an entire training on this and I'm not going to do that, but you need to have a hook. You need to tell your story and you need to have a clear call to action. A lot of people have a great product or service and they're just hoping that people find them and hope that people will give them money for that. No, you have to have a hook. just Let's say that we're talking about the 40 days Eagles community. A lot of you are already in there. If you're not, I'm not sure why, but anyway, so let's just start with, with what I started off today as the lead question. Have you ever thought you'd be farther along in life than where you are today? Do you have a dream that you've never acted on? All right, that's a hook. Have you ever thought you'd be farther along in life than where you are today? You think it's going to stop some people in their tracks where they say, oh yeah, oh yeah, you just described me. That's a hook. Doesn't need to be hype, manipulative, just ask a question. It's a hook. And then a story. Let me tell you about, let me tell you about Anna Powers. Young gal, 
single, concerned about her security, went to school to be an attorney, working at a small firm. Thought that way she'd at least assure her security. But she knew there was something more. She knew that she wanted to do something more than that. She came into our Eagles community. She came into our coaching mastery program. She surrounded herself. You know, the key, I mean, she's on a very individualized path in what she's doing. It's not something that everybody else is doing, but she surrounded herself with people who were cheering her on, people who believed in her even when she wasn't sure herself. Now, here's a call to action. So again, we got the three parts, hook, story, call to action. If you're looking for that group of people who believe in where you're going, I want to invite you to join the 48 Days Eagles. Is it worth a dollar and 50 cents a day to open the door to your biggest dream? Now, I'm going to stop there. That, that's it, though. That, that's the deal. If you have something, you know it has value. Look at what it is that you're doing to lead people into making a decision to engage with you. That's where you need to go. Incidentally, if you respond to my hook there and you are not yet a part of Eagles, go to 48dayseagles.com. That's where we lead people when they respond to those kind of things we put out there. Russ says, I'm a technologist with a somewhat narrow interest. Is it helpful to start by talking to various local businesses to find out where my talents and interests might intersect real needs? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you got a narrow technology expertise, get out and talk to 20, 20 organizations. I've done that repeatedly and started new businesses. If I offered this, would you be interested? Get people to commit to what it is that you're going to offer. Lori says, I've started to own several businesses in the past, currently own a small manufacturing company that's been struggling for a while now. It's been tough and has kicked the wind out of my sails. What is the most important thing I can do to overcome the past and start a new business I'm excited about? I read your book and loved it. Still pulling the triggers hard because of this last round. Well, Lori, entrepreneurs go through multiple ideas. I mean, it's very rare to see somebody start one idea and 20 years later, they're doing the same thing. Entrepreneurs switch and pivot and go on new ideas. We learn from one and go on. I create a model for mine where we have seven different areas of activity where it allows me a lot of fluidity in what the business looks like from year to year. So it's not the same as it was five years ago, even if there are core elements that are the same. So you will probably be able to draw from the experience you've had with your manufacturing company, but you may be realizing that what you're doing is just linear income. You do something once and get paid once. That really gives you a limitation. Now, there may be a duplication factor in what you're doing. I'm not sure what the business is that you're in, but you learn from what you've done and it allow you to achieve your next mountain of success much quicker. So be confident of that. Don't think that it's been wasted time or misdirection or negative experience. Again, there are only two outcomes that people like you experience when you try something, either you win or you learn. That's it. Erase the idea of risk, failure, lose. Those don't exist in our vocabulary. Either you win or you learn. Only two options. All right, a couple others. Matt says, I already work two jobs. How do I work on other aspects of my business when my time is so limited? I work in a restaurant kitchen and a lift driver. Now, what, what you've described there, Matt, 
is that same kind of thing. You're doing two things that require time and effort. They're totally related to time and effort. You need to find as one of those second things you're doing something which you can move from linear to residual income, something where you can do it one time and get paid a thousand times over. That's what, and those, and there's a lot of ways to do that. I mean, certainly you can do a piece of art, you can write a book, you can create a course, but we can go on and on. You can produce a calendar. You can have mugs that you produce. I mean, there's a lot of things to do that, but that's what's making you worn out, exhausted now is that you're in two things that are totally time and effort connected. David says, how do you keep the side hustle from not becoming a part-time job on top of the full-time job? Well, for a lot of people, it is. And depending on what you're going to do. I mean, if you're, if you're mowing yards, uh, then it is going to be a part-time job and it's going to interfere with the time you're spending in your full-time job. If on the other hand, <clears throat> you're doing something on Amazon as an example, I had somebody just, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Jeremy, he bought like 436 books from me of the previous edition of 48 days to the work you love. Well, he puts those up. I mean, you list at one time and then people buy and buy and buy and buy and you just package it and send them out. Even that, even though it's still a physical product, you have that process of multiplicity where you do the work once and get paid over and over again. But that's the kind of ideas that some of you need to look at when you feel like you're stretched too thin time-wise and rightfully so. Archie says, Dan, oh my gosh, I believe I told you about an invention that has to do with guitars, which I love. I've been waiting around looking to see if there's anything like it being marketed. I've still not seen it. It's been at least a year since I started thinking about it. Now I'd like to maybe build one and see what guitarists think about it. Motivate me. How should I proceed with this? Well, Archie, I encourage you to forge ahead. You know guitars. You've been involved with them for many, many years. You recognize something that would be a benefit do people play guitar, whatever that is? I don't know what it is, but by goodness, don't just sit on it. And then all of a sudden you do see it marketed and then you hit yourself in the head saying, well, I had that idea five years ago. Well, again, having the idea doesn't do anything for anybody. It's a person who implements it, who benefits and benefits the world around them. So absolutely make a prototype, make a really rough prototype of some, t- some type. Then talk to people who play guitar don't worry about trademarks, patents, any of that garbage right now. Just get a working model, get it out there and see if people are interested in it. And I had a gentleman one time, young guy, who had an idea for a better weightlifting glove. Now, I'm not a weightlifter, but he knew a weightlifting glove that was somehow better. And he wanted to license it to somebody like Reebok or Nike or whatever. And I says, well, you don't have anything but just an idea. I said, you need to prove the idea, come up with a prototype, get somebody to make you, even if it's a really rudimentary kind of model, get somebody to make you some, and then go out and talk to health and fitness centers and see if they're interested. Well, he did. He went to health and fitness centers. He got over 10,000 orders. Everybody loved what he was doing. Then he went to a major company and got a licensing deal. Now that kind of leads me into where I'm going here, Archie with yours. I want you to get Stephen Key's book immediately. S-T-E-P-H-E-N key. Stephen key. One simple idea. Turn your dreams into a licensing gold mine while letting others do the work. Now it's been around a couple of years, but I've given that out 
I mean, it's, it's the one book I want you to read because it'll really open your eyes to the possibilities of having an idea where you don't have to do all the manufacturing from Taiwan and ship it over here, where you can license the idea. And he's helped a whole lot of people do that. You can also go to YouTube, go to YouTube and just put in, um, well, put in invent, right. Invent, right. Is Stephen key and Andrew Krause's company invent, right. But go to YouTube and you can watch videos and it'll tell you exactly how to do what I'm describing here. So absolutely do that, but don't be one of these who does not take action on your idea and then lives to regret it. Well, Lynn says, what's the biggest advantage in today's marketplace to help us make money? All right, I saved this till last because I love this question. What's the biggest advantage in today's marketplace to help us make money? It's what I've been alluding to for the last 10 minutes here. It's finding something where you can create residual passive income. I mean, think back 30 years, 50 years our parents, grandparents, everybody was doing something that was linear income. If you milk cows, you milk, you milk them, take the milk to market. If you grow soybeans, you grow soybeans, you harvest them, take them into market. It, you know, whatever it is, if you raise beef cattle, boom, you know the process. In today's environment, we're in this information age, there are millions of people who are creating residual income. They do something once. I mean, the only thing that gets my attention is what is it that I can do one time and get paid 10,000 times? Those are ideas that are around all of you out there. That is the biggest advantage that we have in terms of making money. It leverages, creates income in ways that you could never anticipate doing. I mean, if you're making $15 an hour and you get a $20 an hour, that's a big increase, but that's not going to make you wealthy. It's going to, maybe you can, you know, go out to eat on Friday night, whereas before you couldn't, but it's not going to change much. But you put a course out there and have, you know, you, you put a course out there at $197 and you have a thousand people, which is not a big number, purchase that, that can change your life. And a lot of you have the potential to do that with an idea that you have. Well, let me wrap things up. My goodness. Got to wrap things up here. Here, let me just give you a quick summary. I mean, instead of just going through steps that I've covered, let me just give you kind of a, a philosophical overview, a summary of what we covered today. Be intentional about making this stage of your life meaningful. No matter where you are, make this stage of life meaningful. The most important time in your life is right now. The most important person is the one you see in the mirror every morning. And the most important thing you can do is what you're doing now. Now that can change, but it's right now. And you can redirect, you can catch up, you can leapfrog, you can move around. I mean, I love the flexibility. Again, we'll put some of the notes in the show notes today. Just check them out at 48days.com podcast. We'll have some of the notes in there. But you can step out of your history. I mean, that's a big part of what I'm hearing in the questions today. Gee, I made these mistakes and now I'm stuck. No, you can step out of your history. You can become the director, producer, choreographer, and hero of your own story moving forward. All right, remember our resource? I want you to watch this documentary. It's going to come out on August 10th. You'll get a link for it, but go register now and you can watch some little clips that'll really get you fired up and inspired. 
go to dreamerdocumentary.com. Register. I don't have anything to do with it. I mean, it's just, it's just out there, but I think it's that powerful of a resource, and we want to be prepared to talk about it back here again on August 14th. So dreamerdocumentary.com. Hey, submit your questions. Ask Dan at 48days.com. Keep those coming in. I'd love to see those. Remember our quotation for today. Potential unexpressed turns to pain. Comes from Robin Sharma. Don't be living in pain. That's simply an expression of your potential that's not being realized. Boy, that's a simple formula. What is your potential? Walk into that. You can change the world. Thanks for being part of this group where we know we can do what we're talking about here. We can, in fact, find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.